All right, take your Bibles tonight, turn to John chapter 10, please, if you would. John chapter 10. Does anybody know what is so special about Monday, January 20th, 2020? Monday, January 20th, 2020 is a special day. Does anybody know why? 2020, that's a good reason. That's not the reason I have. All right. Number one is Amanda Johnson's birthday. I do know that. Monday the 20th is Amanda. That's not why it's special either, but it is her birthday. Monday, January 20th, 2020, is known as Blue Monday. Blue Monday, all right? So January is considered by most people the most depressing month of the year because of weather and different circumstances and the passing of the holidays. January is considered by most the most depressing day of the year. And the third Monday of January each year is considered by some to be the most depressing day of the year. So January 20th. So you got seven, eight more days, and then it'll be the worst day of your year. That's the bad news. The good news years after that, once you make it through that, it's all uphill from there. It's all sunshine after that, all right? So why is that the most depressing day of the year? Here's what they say. Number one, it's a Monday. <laughs> Mondays are more depressing than other days of the week by nature. The winter weather, uh, the winter blues, the darkness that we have in some places, you know. Uh, I was up this year in... Uh, in Anuvik, up past the Arctic Circle, where they have darkness 24 hours a day at this time. And in the summertime, they have 24 hours of light. It'd be very strange. They said in the, day, in the summertime, it's not unusual to see a three-year-old riding a tricycle on the street at 3 o'clock in the morning because no one has any concept of time. Time just because your clocks are all messed up. There is no internal clock. We're run by the sun and the, the light and the darkness. And so, uh, and in a in very depressing time during the winter months for those uh, in those areas, all right? Uh, Christmas is over. Uh, New Year's resolutions are already broken. A lot of New Year's, after three weeks in, a lot of times those are like, I failed again, and failure sets in. Uh, credit card bills are rolling in around the third Monday of January. All the presents that you gave with great joy at Christmas time, you now have to pay for them in January. And so sometimes, in fact, there's a formula. Show that formula there. Look to the screens there. Here's the formula that they use to find out the most depressing day of the year. Don't, don't try to figure that out because it doesn't make any sense. It's actually, it was, this is the form that they used. They put all these things in and they factored it all in. They said that January, the third Monday of January is the most depressing day of the year. It has to do with, you know, the weather and how much money you make, less how much debt you have and all those things factored in. It actually was uh, done by a company called, uh, it was a travel company. I think they're just trying to convince you to go on vacation. And so it's pretty much a scam. But they call it now Blue Monday, all right? And so to help you deal with uh, January, the winter blues, and Blue Monday, we're going to start a series in our class here uh, called Enjoying Life. Enjoying Life. All right, look at John chapter 10, verse 10 to kind of start us off. We'll look at one other verse uh, tonight, a couple simple verses to give you uh, some hope and some joy tonight. All right, John chapter 10. Verse number 10, these are words spoken by our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he says this, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that ye might have life and that ye might have it more abundantly. Jesus Christ here 
promises eternal life. I came so that you could have life. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have eternal life. Do you understand that your eternal life has already begun? You'll pass from this life, but the real you will never die. There is no, from now on, there is no separation from God for you. Your life is, eternal life has already begun. And Christ here says, I came that ye might have life. And we believe that uh, as a church, as an individual, we believe that Jesus Christ came to bring eternal life. And he said it here, I am come that ye might have life. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. You believe that. You believe his words when he says, I came, I died, I rose again so that you could have life. You accept that by faith. You trust him. And when he says to you, trust me, I'll give you eternal life, you say, I'm in. I believe that. But I want, look at this verse here. Look at the last part. I am come that ye might have life and that ye might have it more abundantly. And so his promise to his followers is not just eternal life. His promise to his followers is an abundant life. The word abundant means overflowing, uh, overabundant. So he says, I want to give you abundant life. The question is, we trust him for eternal life, but do we trust him for an abundant life? Sometimes we have this attitude that as Christians, we're just holding on because someday we get to be in heaven with God, which is great. I can't wait to go to heaven to be with God. But God, Christ is saying, you're not just holding on. Your life on earth is an abundant life. That relationship with God starts the day you get saved and doesn't end for all eternity. And so you can enjoy an abundant life now in January, in Ontario, in 2020. Hey, listen, you can have abundant life on Blue Monday. I don't care what the formula says. There is no capital C for Jesus Christ in there. If you add Christ to the equation, it changes the equation. And so Christ says, I want you to have eternal life, but I want you to have abundant life. I've heard this said before. And in fact, I probably said this early on in my life when I was preaching. God is more concerned about your holiness than your happiness. I've said that before. I don't know that I believe that 100% right now. I believe that God is definitely concerned about your holiness, but I believe God is definitely concerned about your happiness. And I believe if you study the Bible, your holiness and your happiness are way more connected than we give credit for. Because as we are holy, that brings us into a relationship with God who promises us abundant life. And so... Holiness and happiness, I wouldn't say that God's more concerned about your holiness than happiness. I would say that God's concerned about your holiness, and God wants us to be happy. It's okay. It's okay. Let your guard down. You can be happy. You can be a, a, a Christian living in this world and still have a joy unspeakable and full of glory. In fact, that's God's plan for you. In fact, I'm trying to show you, that's what Jesus Christ promised. He didn't just promise eternal life. He promised abundant life. So don't just hold on to the end. Don't just get through. We want to have that enjoyable life. And so the same Jesus that offers eternal life offers abundant life. We all agree with this statement. Eternal life is a personal decision. Amen? You have to choose for yourself. I can't choose for you. 
You have to choose to make that choice to have eternal life. I say to you, abundant life is a personal decision. You have to choose. If Christ offers to you abundant life, you still have to choose and say, that's the life I want to live. I I don't want to live a life that is uh, overcome by the sadness and the sorrow and the the sicknesses of this world. I want to live above those things, and I want to live, I choose to live an abundant life based upon Jesus Christ. And so I think this it's a personal decision. We're going to talk about one simple decision that I think will be helpful to you tonight. So tonight, I want to help you make the choice to enjoy the abundant life, all right? So that's kind of the big idea of what the, the series is going to be about, enjoying life, that abundant life that Jesus Christ offers to us. So here, in just a little bit, I'm going to show you a picture on the screen. And I want you all to play with me. I'm going to show you a picture on the screen. I'm going to say, uh, give you a little phrase, and I'm going to leave a blank. And I want you to fill in the blank out loud. You don't need to yell it out. You just say it out loud in your pew. All right, it's not that hard. I want you to play along, be engaged, see what's going on here. All right, so when I show the picture, I'll, I'll read the statement, and you fill in the blank out loud. All right, here we go. Put the picture up there. The glass is half. All right, good. I heard a lot of fools, all right? And I hope you said full. And this is the age-old thing, right? Is the glass half empty or half full, right? And some of you out there, I know what you're thinking. The glass is just half. It's not half empty or half full. It's just half. I'm not a pessimist. I'm not an optimist. I'm a realist, right? That's what you're saying right now. I know how your mind works, James Hornblower. I know how your mind works. (laughs) There you go, spoken by the engineer who sucked all the joy out of of life right there. (laughs) So some say, you know, hey, the glass is half full. Some say the glass is half empty. And some some of you, if, if we were really being honest, you tend to look at the negative side of things. Some of you have more the optimistic side. That's okay. That's how you're created. Some of you are created with a critical eye and you see the things that are wrong. Or thing. That is, uh, if used correctly, is a gift of God. You can use that. But if you use that to, to be critical and negative all the time, that's not good. All right? So half empty, half full. Pessimistic, optimistic. You know, we always say there's 40% chance of rain tomorrow, but we never say there's 60% chance of sunshine tomorrow. Like we always say the negative, not the positive. And so how do we look at life? Does it really matter how you look at life? Does it really matter what your focus is on? Does it really matter if you see the glass half empty or half full? Does it matter if you really have a negative spirit? Does it really matter in life? Let me give you this quote. This is a quote from a concentration camp survivor. He said this, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The ability to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. Here's a man who went through atrocities and torture, and he said, they could take everything from me but one thing, how I chose to look at those circumstances. So how you look at life does matter. And more important than what this guy said about the concentration camp, I want to show you what the Bible says. So I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 15. We'll look at this one passage of Scripture tonight. Proverbs chapter 15. Verse 
there's a music streaming service called Spotify. Most of you understand that. Some of you have no idea what Spotify is. That's okay. It's a service that you pay for and you can get music streaming to you. One of the unique things that they do is that they, at the end of the year, will show you the most listened to songs on your playlist. So what do you listen to the most? It gives you your most played songs of 2019. Well, the verse I'm going to show you tonight would probably be my most meditated on verse from 2019. So this is a verse that God gave me somewhere last year in in personal reading or coming across somewhere that God gave me. It was a help to me. And because it's been a help to me, I hope it'll be a help to you. It's a verse I've thought about, I've meditated on, I've tried to apply in my life, and I hope that by tonight you'll take it, apply it in your life, and it'll be a help to you. And so tonight, here's the idea I want you to get. We're going to talk about enjoying life, but I want to challenge you to flip the switch. There's a switch in your, in your mind and in your heart. I want you to flip that switch tonight. And I want you to look at life with a positive, because your attitude, your, your, your overwhelming attitude toward life does matter. Because we all know people who are going through sorrow, pain, and suffering, but still have a great spirit about them. Don't we? And we all know people who, go, who have sorrow, pain, and suffering who are very negative and very critical and very, and very upset about that, right? We, we, we know both people. What person do you want to be? We, I, what I'm trying to tell you is I believe we can all be that person if we choose to be that looks at life from the right perspective. It's a choice. Let's read together Proverbs chapter 15 and let's look down to verse Number 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. I want to break that verse down a little bit and kind of talk about it and make one point and we'll be done. The Bible here says that all the days of the afflicted, the word afflicted means depressed, of great, in great need, uh, kind of having that victim attitude, you know, woe is me, I, I, I have it rough, and it, things have happened to me, and, and uh, it's, there are some things that happen, I'm not trying to make light of things that happen to you out of your control. Hey, all of us have had things happen to us out of our control, right? It's part of life. And here in the Bible says, if you look at life as the afflicted, the result is that every Day is evil. All the days of the afflicted are evil. You could be in Orlando, Florida right now, where it is, according to my app, 24 degrees right now. 24 degrees. You could be in Orlando, Florida, where it's 24 degrees. You could be at Disney World eating an ice cream sundae and still have a bad day if your spirit's not right. And, and no matter what, if you're there and you're in that moment, in that time, and you see all, there, there's bad things about Disney. And a lot of you say there's a lot of bad things about Disney. There's, there's bad things about, no matter what, you can find the negative. And have you ever been with somebody that goes out for a nice meal and they're all sitting there and you're saying, man, it's nice to be out to eat for a change. And boy, this is great. And they find out every little thing wrong with the meal. The service isn't fast enough. My water's not cold enough. The food's not hot enough. 
It could happen, right? And, and sometimes we get that attitude where every, we, we find all the negative things in life. And the Bible here is saying, all the days of the afflicted are evil. And in this verse, we have another option. If you have a merry heart, it's a continual feast. A merry heart has a continual feast. The words merry heart are used three times in the book of Proverbs. Those two words together, merry heart. We looked at one just now. A lot of you know the other, other time it's uh, used. In fact, all three times when it's used, it's used in uh, connection with a depressed or sorrowful spirit. So it's, every time it's like positive, negative, positive, negative, positive, negative. Every time, three times. You know this verse, Proverbs 17, 22. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. The second part of that verse says, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. <laughs> so if you choose to have a merry heart, it's like a medicine. It makes you feel better. We have in our hall closet a bucket full of over-the-counter medications that we've bought over the years. You take it for a couple days, you feel better, so you throw it in the bucket. And it just kind of piles up there. Every so often we throw it out, yeah, 2012. Throw those out. You know, it, it kind of build up over time, right? You take the medicine because it makes you feel better. And the Bible says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Having a merry heart will help you look at a, a, a loss at work or a financial setback in a different way. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a broken spirit drieth the bones. If, you have a, if your spirit is broken and you're down and, and, and it just eats at you and your bones get brittle, <laughs> it drieth out. It, dry, it dries you up from the inside out. And you can come to church and put a smile on your face, but inside you're dry. And there's no joy. There's nothing, there's nothing inside because this broken spirit has overcome you. And so you can go through life with this broken spirit or you can go through life with a merry heart. You can choose between the two. So that's one time these words are used. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. The other time we use it is in the verse we read. But look back in our text just two verses earlier. Verse 13 of chapter 15, Proverbs. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. The merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. Do you know someone like that, that always just seemed to have a smile on their face, that seemed to be happy? Can I talk about one of our members who's not here tonight? I'm not really asking permission. That's kind of a rhetorical question. Uh, Andy Shasma. If you know anything about Andy Schatz and what they're going through, if anybody has a right to be a broken, a dry, a hurting, a sorrowful spirit, there's a lot going on there. That's not who I see, though. I see that a merry heart makes a glad countenance. And somehow that guy and his wife go through these things day after day, and every time I see him, he tells me how good God is. See, a merry heart makes a difference on how you look at life. And a merry heart brings a glad countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. 
And some of you come to church tonight and maybe you're struggling to inside with a broken spirit. You're, you're struggling. I mean, you, you feel the January blues. You feel uh, the, the loss of a relationship. You feel uh, the financial pressure. I'm not making light of any of those things. Those are real. All I'm trying to tell you is that the Bible teaches us that our outlook on those things does make a difference. And we can look at those things with a merry heart, or we can look at those things with an afflicted spirit, and that will make a difference in how we, how we handle those things in our life. And Jesus Christ came that we could have life and abundant life. He doesn't want you to suffer and, and go suffer inwardly. Suffering outwardly may be his plan, but he always wants us to not to, to have that joy or that merry heart inside. That's his plan for us. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Here we see the result of the merry heart in our verse, verse 15. And the days of the afflicted are all evil, but a merry heart hath a continual feast. The result of a merry heart is a continual feast. How many of you like to go to all-you-can-eat buffets? Blair, first hand up, right? I'm going to be honest with you. I used to. I don't like to go there anymore. There's two reasons. I get full too quick. That's my problem. I hate it. When I was 20, 25, 30, <laughs> 35, I could eat and eat and eat and eat. And I always felt like I was costing the restaurant money. I was winning, right? Do you not, I mean, come on, we feel that way. I'm going to go and I'm going to make them hurt. If, if everybody in the restaurant ate the same amount as me today, they would close the restaurant down. I, that was my goal, right? But now I get full too quick. And here's the worst part. I still eat. That's the worst part. I don't stop. I still have the same goal in mind. I just, I just make myself sicker and sicker and sicker. It's not worth it. So uh, we stopped going to those buffets very, uh, a few years ago because I don't feel like I'm getting my money's worth or I get my money's worth and I'm sick afterwards. How many have ever gone on a cruise ship? I, I have not, much you have. I understand this about cruise ships. Correct me if I'm wrong. Most of them have food anytime you want it, right? And that's why a lot of you like to go on cruise ships because it's there. It's a, it's a continual feast. It's just, I, I have an urge for this, so I'll go get this. It's already paid for. I don't have to worry about paying for it. I feel like ice cream at 3 o'clock in the morning, so I'll have ice cream at 3 o'clock. If I want it, I will not withhold myself. For this week alone, I will not withhold. I have no restriction, right? And so your life for one week is a continual feast. And you enjoy that until you get back and get on the scale afterwards and you don't enjoy it so much. When you have a merry heart, your phone goes off in church. And I didn't <laughs> Listen, when you have a merry heart, the Bible says, your life's like a continual feast. It's like an all-you-can-eat buffet, and, and, and life is just, you can enjoy it and enjoy it and enjoy it and enjoy it. Does that mean nothing goes wrong? No, it doesn't. The Bible, like, listen, the Bible does not promise that. I don't care what preacher you're listening to on TV that promises that. The Bible doesn't promise that. Your life's going to be just fine and dandy the rest of your life. There are ups and downs. The Bible says um, that God makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. <laughs> Save people get cancer. Unsaved people get cancer. Saved people have financial 
problems, unsafe people. it's, It's across the board. But what you have is you could have a merry heart which would give you a continual feast. How are we going to do that? In between those two verses I read, verse 13, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. Verse 15, a merry heart hath a continual feast. There's verse 14. Let's look at verse 14. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. How are you going to maintain a, a, a merry heart? It all depends on what you feed yourself. That's really what it's saying. See, a, a wise man seeketh knowledge. I think here it's talking about the knowledge of God, knowing about God and learning about God and loving God and having that relationship with God. That will help you have a merry heart. But if you constantly feed yourself on foolishness, you won't have the merry heart. You know, I mean, I'm not preaching against social media, but there's a lot of foolishness on social media. And, and all of us can say amen to that. We, we all understand. And I, I have a few social media accounts. I'm not preaching against social media. I have a television in my home. I watch television, but there's a lot of foolishness on television. Would you agree with that? All right. So what I'm saying is, if we can I tell you the truth? The news is good to know what's going on, but if you constantly feed yourself CNN, <laughs> CBC, you, you feed yourself that, you'll have a negative spirit. It's a lot of just foolishness. And if you feed on foolishness, it is going to bring you an afflicted spirit. And if you feed on the knowledge of God and what he's done for you and saved your soul and has a home in heaven and and gave his life for you and you feed yourself on that daily, you'll have a merry heart. You'll have a merry heart. Really, the choice is up to you. What are you going to feed yourself? And do you want to have a positive look on life or a negative look on life? And it's as simple as changing what we feed ourselves. So we have two options. Afflicted spirit or a merry heart. You get to choose. What will be your prevailing attitude in life? Listen to that again. What will be your prevailing attitude in life? The choice is up to you. No matter your circumstance, I can't control your circumstances, and some circumstances you can't control, but you can control what will be your prevailing attitude on life. I want to borrow this little illustration that Pastor Yeomans used a while back. On your cell phone, if you have a cell phone or if you have a computer, you understand this statement. You have default settings, things that come already, it's already set up for you. There's default settings. Some of you have a default setting to be have a negative spirit. It's okay. I'm not preaching against you. I'm just saying you got to realize that. Some of you have a default setting to have a positive. You look at the positive things in life. That's great. Some of you have a default setting that the circumstances of your life overwhelm you quickly. I'll just be, this is very transparent. One of the default settings of my life is I get frustrated quickly. Things frustrate me. I don't get mad, I get frustrated. That's me. That's my default setting. And I have to work on that default setting so it doesn't overcome me. You understand? So we all, you all have default settings, some good, some bad. And maybe in your heart, you have a default setting to look at the negative side, the critical side. You know, on our, our cell phones, you look at the screen, it's just a little toggle switch that you toggle off. 
and on. I can turn my Wi-Fi off and on. I can turn my uh, airplane mode off and on. Before I came to preach, I turned my cell phone uh, ringer off and on. This is a toggle switch. It's just simply touching that and turning it off or on. I want to encourage you to toggle your heart to a merry heart. Just choose tomorrow morning that you're going to look at life through a merry heart. You're, you're sitting, now, some of you are sitting there thinking, I know how you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor Holland, you're not telling us it's just that simple to enjoy life. That tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to choose to have a merry heart. Well, yes and no. Yes, that's where you begin, but no, that's not all there is to it. But yes, I think it's important to, tomorrow morning to say, I'm choosing to look at life with a merry heart. I've used this illustration before, but it's so good. My wife and I were going across the bridge uh, to Port Huron, and she said, man, the water looks blue today. Man, I've never seen it so blue. And know what? Looked over, my kids were in the back seat laughing because she had her sunglasses on. And I said, honey, take your sunglasses off. She said, oh. <laughs> the water wasn't quite as blue as she thought it was. You know what she did? She put her sunglasses back on <laughs> and enjoyed the view. <laughs> what I'm saying is life has its ups and downs. And you've heard that saying before of like looking through life through rose-colored glasses. I'm not trying to tell you to look at life through rose-colored glasses, but I would tell you this. Look at life through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for you and your salvation. The very fact that you have Jesus Christ as your Savior should affect how you look at everything in life and allows you to have a merry heart even in times of affliction and a merry heart even in times of dryness, and a merry heart even in times of sorrow. So I'm, I'm trying to encourage you just to flip the switch. This is what I've done over the last little bit. It's been helpful to me. This verse has been helpful to me. There are many days, if not every day, that I think in the morning when I'm praying, Lord, today I choose to have a merry heart. Today I choose to face the circumstances that you will bring to my way, I have no control over through the idea that you're in control of everything and nothing will come to my life that you don't want me to handle. And because you gave it to me, you're going to allow me to handle that. And I choose to have a merry heart today and not an afflicted spirit because I want to have a continual feast. I want to have a happy countenance. I want to have the medicine that is involved. And so I choose to have a merry heart. Has my life been perfect since I started doing that? No. Have I toggled off the merry heart halfway through the day and lost my temper or got frustrated? Yes. What I'm saying is the choice is up to you. We need to look at life through a merry heart. One last thing before I close. Why is this important? Why is it important to have a merry heart? That's exactly it. We think, oh, it's important for me to have a merry heart so I can enjoy life. Yeah, that's great. But you know what? You are different than the world. And you ought to show a difference between you and other people in the world. And we used to talk about, um, back in the day, when we preached about being different than the world, it means that you had your hair cut different, and you talked different, and, and, you, and you dressed different, and all those things are good. But you know what really sets you apart from the rest of the world? That you can have a merry heart in a time of affliction. 
And you have a merry heart when things are going your way. And there is something about you at work that nobody else has because you have the joy of the Lord deep down and it comes out on your face. God's glory is at stake when we don't have a merry heart. So I think it's important, not just to help you enjoy life, but so we can bring all the glory to God. He saved you, he loves you, and Jesus Christ says, I want you to have eternal life, and I want you to have abundant life. So my challenge today to you is this. This week, for the next seven days, leading up to the big day, Blue Monday, January 20th, Every morning, pause, talk to the Lord, and toggle your heart that you're going to have a merry heart and look at life through what Jesus Christ is doing and has done for you. Would you bow your head and close your eyes?